Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Sunday with the Rev. It's so nice to have you out here with me today. I, I certainly hope you've been enjoying some of my past podcasts. So um, I just want to say I, I had posted a message on the Facebook page letting everyone know that I have been feeling well. So unfortunately, I was one of those people that caught COVID, um, the new variant. And because I have an autoimmune disease, um, things didn't go well for a couple of weeks. <clears throat> and I'm going to kind of also beg all of you to please um, bear have patience with me. I'm still having trouble <clears throat> breathing for a little bit and also still having trouble kind of um, with the brain fog, if you want to say, and also... Having a little bit of trouble uh, with um, uh, not coughing. So <clears throat> I'm going to ask everyone to please, please bear with me. Um, there will be times where you'll probably hear me cough and you'll probably hear me try to clear my throat. And I just ask for your forgiveness ahead of time. Uh, so, but today, <coughs> excuse me, today I, I wanted to get through, I wanted to get a podcast out and I wanted to get something out in regards to what I call that Job moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we, so we, um, you've heard me over the past few, probably the past few months in my podcast, I have said things like the Job moment's going to come or when your Job moment comes, what are you going to do? And I refer to a Job moment when I say that, I refer to the book of Job in the Old Testament. Um, and the book of Job um, is the it's it's found in in the in, in succession of the book of the Bible is the eighteenth book in the Old Testament. It's between you'll find it between uh, Esther <clears throat> and you'll and also be, and then uh, Psalm. So it's between Esther comes first, then you have Job, and then after that you have Psalms. And Job is 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 one of those stories. It's a story basically about a man, much like Esther. Was a story about Queen Esther who saved the Jewish people from annihilation. Um, I would su- I would suggest that you sometime take time to read um, Esther, and hopefully in the future that'll be something that um, we could talk about as well um, of Esther and what she did to save the Jewish people. And then, of course, like I said, it comes and then it comes uh, and then Job is before Psalms. Psalms comes after it. Psalm, of course, is songs or Psalm or you know uh, King David wrote a lot of the Psalms and. Uh, there were songs written uh, to the glory of God. So, but today we're going to focus on Job. Job is a, a very interesting story. Uh, one that really, for me, took me a long time to kind of even get a grasp of an understanding of what Job even means and what the whole book was about. And to be totally honest with you, I try to stay away from Job because it's hard to explain to people, especially today, why something, why the something would have happened to Job who was a righteous man and who loved God and who followed God and why God allowed him to suffer the way that he did. And we're going to, and we're going to actually, in a minute, we're going to, uh, we're going to read the first, first, uh, chapter of Job. And we're going to get into in a little bit of the second chapter of Job. It's a little bit of a long read, so bear with me, but we're going to do that in a moment. Uh, but before we do actually, actually, before we get, we get any further, let us take a moment to pray. So please bow our heads. Close your eyes and focus yourself on the Lord right now and only him. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for, for your healing grace upon me, Lord. That For as sick as I was, Lord, you were always there by my side. And for as sick as I was, Lord, you loved me and you kept me safe. And, and I felt your presence around me all the time. And I thank you for that. There have been so many others that I know that have been really sick. My friend Chuck, who was in the hospital for quite a long time, and he actually has some six to five to six months recovery time going on. And and I just pray for Chuck, Lord, and, and, and please help him, Lord, to recover. Please help him to get better. I pray um, he dealt with, uh, with the, as you know, Lord, with the COVID pneumonia. And I pray, Lord, please help him, Lord, and strengthen him every day. I pray for those other friends and families, Lord, right now. There's so many that have been catching COVID, that have been really sick. Um, even those that haven't been sick, I just pray for them as well. And ask you, Lord, to please put your hand upon them. And um, so many I know, they're ch- young children, two years old, six months old. Uh, you know, teenage children are getting ill now with this, Lord. And I pray to please just put your your hedge of protection around them, Lord, and keep them safe. 
I also pray today, Lord, for my, my cousin Angela, who has who had open heart surgery. I pray, Lord, to please, Lord, continue to help her to heal. I, I know that you are, Lord. I've I talked to her daughter, Carla, and uh, she said that she's healing and she's doing well. And I pray, pray every dear God to please keep her, uh, heal her, Lord, and please keep her uh, um, under your protection and under your care. And anyone else out there, Lord, that needs you, Lord, I pray, Lord, help us, Lord, by giving us your strength. Use me today, Lord, to be able to hopefully get something out to people today or use my voice, use me to just to get something out there to people today, I pray, Lord. Oh, I also, Lord, I also, Lord, forgive me. I want to pray one more time more with my friend Christina for her father, Lord, who was also uh, suffered very badly from COVID. Uh, I want to I ask, Lord, that, to pray for him as well, that he'll be as also okay. I pray today, Lord, in your wonderful and loving name, through our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So, Again, thanks everyone for joining me. So again, we're gonna we're gonna delve today into the book of Job and we're gonna talk about that Job moment, which I've really suffered from the last few weeks. And just a, just a little quick backstory with Job. So again, as I mentioned, Job is about is like the eighteenth book in the Old Testament. Um it's again it's, it's, it can be a strange story. Basically the bottom line with Job, uh with with the story of Job. Uh was it was uh, there's really no one really knows exactly who wrote Job, um, some attest it to being possibly being Moses who wrote it, and then there are some that attest it to possibly, um, uh, possibly even a man named Job himself as the author. But there's really there's really uncertain who it was that wrote the book. Um, it's also uncertain though um, um, bec- uh, when it was written. But some scholars believe that the events recorded in the vocabulary that was used suggest that it was written around the time of the patriarchs. Uh, between 2000 and 1800 BC. So that's usually about between, again, it's about 2000 to 18 BC. So again, 2000 years, between 18 to 2000 years before Christ was born is what they're figuring this was also when it was written. Interestingly, right, because we are 2030, uh, excuse me, 2030, 2022 years after Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was born now. So, it's, you know, so it's interesting if you think about it. We're almost kind of around the same time that this book was written. It's kind of neat. I think it's kind of neat. Uh, but but in the opposite direction. And really, and, and so the book of Job, it really, uh, it's it focuses on the problem of human suffering. Um, and human suffering is something that we that we all wonder about, right? It's it's on everyone's mind. It, at one time or another, human suffering hits us. And we and we ask why it happened, right? You know, we we ask the story about you know we 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 actually have those moments of rage and those moments of anger where we basically want to scream to God and say, "Why is this happening to me?" Uh, and it's hard for the believer, right? Because you feel like you're doing everything right. And I'm going to talk more about my personal story this last couple of weeks and other times in my life. But you really kind of feel like you know, like I, I've done everything I can. I follow the rules, God, and yet you still allow us to happen to me. Why? And this, the book of Job, is something that kind of really helps. It addresses this problem. It addresses this issue of why bad things happen to good people. The non-believer will say a lot of times, well, you know, the non-believer uses the excuse that, you know, I don't believe that they're being a God because why would God allow good, you know, why would God allow good things to happen to good people? Why would God allow the world the way that it is today? I mean, I've talked about that. I'm not going to get into the non-believers uh, or the atheist reasons for all that, but but really the book of Job really is talking about, is talking to fellow believers of God and letting you know, like, why is it that these things happen? You know, and it basically it, it tells a story about a godly man uh, by the name of Job who he who went through a lot, a huge amount of suffering and re, while remaining faithful to God. You know, basically, when, and you, we're going to read this in a moment in the first couple of chapters, but it begins with Job losing his children, all his possessions, and even his own health. You know, and, you know, and it all, all of this happens in a very short period of time. In this story, Job is married, and he does have children. We're going to find that out in a moment. And Job's, uh, o- and only through this whole thing, Job's wife is really the only one that that ha- escapes any type of 
uh, um, ruin or or any any type of bad thing happening to her from Satan. Okay, um, and it's kind of weird because I would have to say, um, I would have to say, it's, and I wonder why because because Job's wife was the only one basically that tells Job in there to basically curse God and die. You know, that was her advice to Job. You know, Job simply declared that it's not fair what's happening to you. You've done everything you're supposed to do. And she says to Job, basically, you should curse God and die. That's in Job chapter 2, verse 9. You know, and so, you know, and so basically, the, and so what happens in this whole thing here, and I, I have to wonder, I guess for me, I have to wonder, did, did, did Job's wife basically, was she able to get away from, the persecution was she able to, not persecution, but was she able to get away, un you know untouched by what Satan did to to Job's family, to Job's children, to everything he owned, and Job himself. When God didn't tell him, well, you'll see in a moment that God didn't tell the devil to spare her. God only said to spare Job, and I just wonder if it's because this woman here, basically, I had already it was basically the devil was using her to to influence Job to curse God and die, be done with it, okay? Which Job, by the way, would not do. And basically, you know, another question obviously comes up too is, you know, why why must we endure suffering when God is powerful enough to do something about it, right? So why must we endure it? And a lot of times we kind of blame ourselves. And Job has three friends that show up, Eliphaz, Bilidad, and Zophar, and they all give speech accounts uh, accounting for Job's misery. And there's even a young man named Elihu who tries to summarize the situation with yet with um, another explanation but all of them failed to provide Job with the satisfactory answer. And then finally, after after all his friends and everybody tries to give Job an answer, what's going on, and even Job himself tries to figure things out, God finally speaks to Job directly. And and God basically, we're not going to get into that today, and I would advise you maybe at some point in time read the book of Job. But basically God asks him a lot of questions. Job never curses God. Job never ever turns from God, but Job yet feels sorry for himself. And at and and Job basically almost as I say that it's his fault this happened he's done something wrong, and the bottom line is that God basically was saying to him that that's just not the way it is. So God basically says to Job in the end of Job, well in 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 Job God basically says to Job, you know, am I not the one that creates the heaven and the earth? Am I not the one that created the Leviathan uh, in the sea, which I believe is a dinosaur? Um, is you know God says, am I not the one that that creates these? Uh, all the earth and does everything that I do. Am I not the powerful God that I am? And Job, you know, you know, and and basically, you know, Job really doesn't know what else to say. And but basically, he does force Job into recognizing that God's finite understanding of life. And Job realizes that ultimately God is in charge and and knows what He is doing. And Job remained silent and stood in awe of God's sovereignty. In the end, God restored Job's health, possessions, and family. So here, you know, so here we have, you know, Job and Job. You know, at some point in time, you know, you have his wife telling him, "Just curse God and be done with this. Die already." You know, you're suffering. And we're going to read how what Job suffered, and it wasn't it wasn't great. His friends come along, and his three friends come along. Plus, another young man comes along and tries to give an explanation of what's happening with him and why it's happening. But Job just can't really get the explanation. Doesn't you know that they don't satisfy him. Job gets to a point of sorrow for himself, and you know, you know, like, am I? Did I do this? When God finally says to him, "I am. I did this. I allowed it to happen." But because of Job's faithfulness to God, God restored him, and Job was restored with everything that he ever had back again, and actually more. You know, so basically, God is in charge, and for those that that stick with God, for those that 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 you know that believe in him that he will deliver them god will deliver them whether that be getting riches more and more on this earth like job got at the end where things were increased doublefold for job or if that is the end when we when we when we're with the lord god in heaven sitting at his sitting with him with the lord jesus christ and the disciples and in our own crowns of righteousness that paul talks about in second timothy so let us uh, let us stop. Let's go now, and we're going to actually go in, and we are going to go now into the book of Job, and we are going to again. So again, it's the, as I mentioned to you, if you're having trouble finding it, Job is the 18th book in the Bible of the Old Testament. Job um, can be found between the book of Esther 
and the book of Psalms. Okay, so we smack dab in the middle. So let us take a moment, let's grab our Bibles, and let's open to the book of Job. And this is going to be a little bit long reading, so I'm going to bear, ask you to bear with me here, okay? There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil, and you know, hated evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His, stu- his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yoke of oxen, I'm sorry, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, or donkeys, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Of the East, okay? <laughs> so we right now can say right now, starting in the first three chap- verses of chapter 1 of Job, that Job was a man that had it made, right? He had everything he wanted, right? God gave him everything and anything he needed. God gave him. He was rich. He was rich. I mean, back then... For what he had, Job was rich. And it even says that he was he was the richest man in the East. Now, of course, you know, when we think about back then in the Old Testament, 2,000 years before Christ, the East probably wasn't that big. It probably wasn't huge. You know, kind of like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the East Coast here in the United States of America or the East Coast of some other country or anything like that. It was probably an area, probably a, a, a big area, but but that says in the East. But the Bible basically is trying to tell us that in all the land, in the east, no matter which way it was, that Job was the richest of them all. Continuing on verse 4. And his sons, remember Job had seven sons, went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent the sac- that Job sent and sacrificed and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all for job said it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed god in their hearts thus did job continually do this so so we see here now we see here possibly that job's kids really aren't the best they might not be following the example of Job. And I would have to think that if they're talking about they have these parties that last for days and days and days and they invite their sisters to come to their parties, um, you know, I'm not going to conjecture on that, but, you know, things probably are going on with this here. Some strange things are happening, maybe. I don't know. Um, but we do know that they have these, they, they've got these big parties going on and they go on for a very, very long time. Um, so, and then once these parties are done, Job, in fear that his children have done something to 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 upset the Lord God, Job basically goes and he does he sanctifies them by offering burnt offerings for each and every one of them, asking God basically to forgive them so that in case they did curse God or something like that. Starting in verse six, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So this is very interesting. I find this very interesting. So the sons of God, and I find this very interesting. And I and I and I've heard pastors talk about this before. And there seems like there was a time in heaven, even though Satan was cast out of heaven, but there seemed like there was a time where they where they still had to present themselves to God. So if it was Satan or any other angels had to present themselves to God, God still held them accountable. And Satan was one of them. And I think this also really this really to me comes to the power of God of God's power, that, you know, what you want to say and how you want to say it. But here's the bottom line. The sons of God, including Satan, came to the Lord, okay, to present themselves before him. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down it. So the Lord asked him, you know, you know, Lord asked Satan, you know, you know, whence comest thou? You know, where have you been? And he said, and he says, well, I've been walking around up and down the earth. I've been doing my thing, and and I do think that this is is a call here because I do think that this is a, um, for me at least, is proof that while God's in charge, He does allow Satan to walk around the earth and cre- and create havoc, and He does allow Satan to do what He wants to do to try to get people to um, to turn against God. Okay, so God's in control. We see that here, that they come before God to present themselves before God. And one of them is Satan who goes before God. And God says to him, and he asks him the question, where have you been? And Satan tells him, I've been walking around the earth and all this good stuff. 
And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschews evil, one that feareth God and hates evil? Now, poor Job, here we go, right? This is the point in my time of used to read this as a kid where I used to say, Oh boy, poor Job. You know, it's almost like you want to say, Lord, what did you have to say that? Like, why did you have to say that? Why did you have to mention poor Job? And then Satan answers him and said to the Lord, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But pour forth thine hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day... Okay, so we're going to stop right there for a moment. That was that stop at the end of verse 12. So basically the Lord says to him, Hey, do you ever consider my servant Job? He fears me, he hates evil, he does everything I say. And, you, and then Satan says, Yeah, of course he does. You bless him like crazy. You give him everything he wants. Of course he's going to be like that. He's the richest guy going on in the East. Of course he's going to do that. What do you expect? So the Lord says, okay, fine then. Okay, here's what you can do then. You can do whatever you want to him, but don't kill him. But do whatever you want to him. Everything he has, do whatever you want. But you just can't hurt him. Satan says, okay. You can only imagine, you can only imagine, you can only imagine him smiling and going, hoo boy, I'm going to prove you wrong, God. You're going to see. In the first time of trouble, this guy's going to turn from you. He's going to curse you, and it's all over. And you'll see how good, you'll see how wonderful these humans are that you love so much. right? You can almost see it. You can almost feel it, right? Starting, uh, continuing in verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger <coughs> excuse me, unto Job, and he said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I am, only, am, I am the only one who escaped to tell the tale. And while he was yet speaking, there came in also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I am the only one who escaped alone to tell the tale. And while he was yet speaking, there came in also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I am the only one escaped to tell the tale. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters, and this is where things get really dark here, right? I mean, it's dark enough, right? But here we go. Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind <coughs> from the wilderness, <coughs> excuse me, and smote the four corners of the house. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> and it fell upon and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. <coughs> Excuse me, and I am the only one here to tell the story. So here we have <coughs> a series of events <coughs> that Job is sitting and he is basically enjoying his day, life is going on as normal, and all of a sudden Job gets these bunch of things that he's told have happened first <clears throat> the a band uh, of people the Sabaeans had they fought they fell upon his um his ox and his, his asses that he has remember five thousand ox and five thousand uh, uh asses remember that and he says that they fell upon them and they took them all and they killed all her servants then he, then as that's happening another one comes in and says oh a great fire came from heaven and all your sheep that you had, your 3,000, 7,000, excuse me, 7,000 sheep uh, are gone. They're all been wiped off the face of the earth. And only I am around to tell the story. And then another one comes up and says, the Chaldeans, they came along and they took all your camels away. So Job's 3,000 camels, all gone. And while he was speaking, the worst of the worst comes. His last servant comes in and says, while your sons and your daughters were drinking and being merry, a great wind came and knocked down the house and killed them all. Job now finds himself with nothing. This man that lived righteously, this man that did the right things, 
who hated evil, who feared God, this man went through, the better word to say it to you, he's going through hell. Continuing on verse 20, Then Job rose and rent his mantle and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So, so far, all this has happened to Job. Lost everything in the matter of hours, maybe even minutes. And Job now finds that he's just cursed God and he can't stand God anymore. No, that's not what happened, is it? (laughs) That's not what happened, was it? No. Job shaved his head, rented his mantle, he fell down, and he worshipped God. And Job says something that we've all heard before. And we've heard this before at funerals. We've heard this before at, at other areas when things happen like this. And Job basically says, I came into the world naked from my mother's room, and I shall return that way. For the Lord gives me. He, and he also takes it away as well. Blessed be his name. And Job didn't curse God. And Job did not foolishly say anything about God. And Job did not sin against God. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's all I can say is wow, right? Let's continue with chapter 2 because it gets better. Well, I'm using the wrong word better, but it gets worse for Job. I say better sarcastically. So starting in chapter 2 now of the book of Job. And again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them and presented himself before the Lord. So again, we have another day where they came before the Lord again to present themselves. So again, they have to go before the Lord. And again, Satan is there again to present himself before the Lord. I mean, just, it just shows God's sovereignty, doesn't it? It shows his power. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And again, the Satan answers him and says, the Lord, and, and Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Poor Job. <laughs> once again, the Lord once again mentions Job. You know? And he says, Have you not considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and hates evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. I found that very interesting. Um, I have to say that I find it very interesting that the Lord here says to, says to Satan, who basically the Lord tells, says, gives him, basically gives him uh, the power to do whatever he wants to say. He tells him, go do, excuse me, he tells him to go do whatever he wants to Job, except don't kill Job, but everything else you can do whatever you want with it. But I find it very interesting, um, very interesting what the Lord says here, you know, how he says this here, that he says, and he says here, and still, and he basically, and the Lord says to him, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him, to destroy him without cause. So here's again, to me, this is the Lord again showing his sovereignty, his power, that nothing happens without the Lord's permission, that nothing happens without God allowing it to happen. God's in control. Yes, Satan runs around this earth and he runs up and down it, through it, and he causes all kind of havoc. And he's the real cause of the havoc. Let's be, let's not, let's not mistake this here. He is the cause of the havoc. Okay, sin into this world. Sin came. And because of our sin, we we allowed this havoc, okay? So the Lord God, but the Lord God's in charge. And the Lord God, and he shows that he's in charge by saying what he says, that he says, okay? So I, I just, that's really, you know, I think that's really something else right there. It just shows that God's in charge and God's allowing Satan to do this. Uh, continuing on verse four, and Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And behold, the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So again, the Lord tells Satan, says to him, Okay, fine, you allow me to do everything else to him, but I'll tell you right now that if you actually let, if you let me hurt him, every man, for fear of his own life, will turn from you. Every man will beg me, and will, will, will sit against you and beg me for help. Okay, and the Lord and the Lord says, "Okay, fine, all right, fine. Then you go ahead, do what you want to Job, but don't kill him." So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. 
Then said his wife unto him, and here's, here's, here it is, right here. Here's his wife counsel. This is the only counsel that his wife gives to him, right? Right here. Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaks. What? Shall we receive God at the hand shall, shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we receive not evil? In all this did Job not sin with his lips. And then from there on it talks it goes into um Job's friends come along and they um they sit with Job now and they, they weep with Job. It's interesting here because they say, I'm going to quickly just go on to verse 11 real fast. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place, Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Neamathite, for they had, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. And they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw his grief was very great. So so here we have these three friends of Job show up. And obviously they love Job. Obviously they really do. Um, you know, I, I see love in these men as far as I can see from the beginning here. That here's men here that they show up and they and they and they see their friend Job and they're so overwhelmed with what they see. They see a man that is such in grief. They see a man who is and, and you know is such pain. And, and they see that a man is even suffering himself. And yet these three men sit with him seven days, seven days, and seven nights, and didn't even utter a word to Job because of his great. And utter grief. That's grief. That's grief. So here we have poor Job. And he he has just gone through the ringer. Poor guy. Really has. Just gone through the ringer. Lost everything he had. And of course, his wife, who which most of us would think the same thing, right? Be done with this already. You've done everything you can. Why bother with this anymore? But Job doesn't do that. Job worships God. Job continues. And throughout the rest of the book, like I said, his friends kind of give him advice, talk to him about things, and and they really don't help Job with this cause or really help Job understand why this is happening to him. Job pretty much kind of, they kind of, there's a lot of this blame that Job did something wrong. We sometimes do that, right? We, We do that. We saw that, we see that in the New Testament a lot as well, where we see where the Lord, when the Lord would heal someone, he would be asked even of his disciples, you know, what did this person do that they're like they are? What do they do that they're mute or they're deaf or they can't walk? You know, why did God punish them for the evil of their parents? Even they would even ask God, was their parents so evil that this happened to them? And even the Lord Jesus on so many occasions said, there's nothing anybody does. Nothing anybody does. You know, there's, there's a great verse in the Bible that says that the, the, the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. And it's very true. The rain does fall upon the just and the unjust. There's no way getting away from, 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 pain and suffering okay but a major thing here to understand and and what we really need to focus on is why you know and 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 you know and as i mentioned to you i'm going to quickly just ad lib through the rest of job here at the end at the end as i mentioned to you earlier when there's no when there's no other explanation to job of why he is like he is job again still doesn't curse god and when everything is said and done Job basically again. Job, after it's all said and done, um, God speaks to Job himself, and God basically says, "Job, basically, Job, I do what I, I do what I want to do." <laughs> it's the bottom line, is what he said, um, and and there's nothing you can do about that. And so, and so this is what, and, and so this is what happens here, and you know, with poor Job. And so I'm going to read the last chapter of Job, and then we're going to kind of quickly talk before this before I'm. Over time, we're going to quickly, quickly talk about some personal thoughts about this and some personal thoughts about things that I always hear people say. And even some personal thoughts that I've even had people say to me, why don't you just curse it and be done with it? So we're going to go into chapter 42, and we're going to quickly just read chapter 42. Um, then answered the Lord, he said, and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withheld from thee. 
Uh, I'm sorry. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I'm sorry. I know that thou canst do that thou can do everything, and that no thought can be with withholden from you. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that I underst- that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare that thou art unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of, of the ear, but now mine eye hath seen as well. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. And it was so, that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, and the Lord said to, El- to Eliphaz, the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee, and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go, go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, and for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the things which is right, like my servant Job. So we can see here that the conversation, the counsel that Job's three friends gave to him was not the, was not the right counsel. And as I mentioned, a lot of the counsel basically was blaming, you know, it was, it was Job's fault. It really wasn't, it was, you know, these things happen. It's your fault that they happen and all that. And they didn't really counsel Job in the right way as God counseled Job that basically I'm God and I allow these things to happen. And there's a reason why they happen. And we're going to find out in a moment what that reason is. So Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar the Nathamite, Nath- the Namathite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren, and all his sisters, and all they, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him, and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord hath brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had fourteen thousand sheep, remember before he had seven, six thousand camels, remember before he had three, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand donkeys, remember he only had five hundred each. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Puch. And, and in all the land there, there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job an hundred and forty years, and saw his sons and his sons' sons even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. So boy, right? So here we have Job, who went through all this. Job's wife says, "Cursed, cursed the day that you were born. Curse God. Be done with this already. Just die." His friends come along and try to comfort him, and other people try to comfort him, but they kind of give the wrong message to Job. God's not happy about that. God then answers Job and basically just says to Job, "I can do whatever I want. I'm God in my sovereignty. I'm showing you the reason why I'm doing this. There's a reason for this, and in suffering and in pain." comes greatness out of that. And then at the end, God ends up blessing Job twice fold than what he had before. And Job lives out his days. It's also interesting, I think, as well, that Job, that it talks about as well, that Job's new, that his new children, basically now seven sons and three daughters again, are not the same as the other ones were. And actually it talks about his three daughters, how they were the most beautiful in the land, and that Job gave him an inheritance among them. So these women were these women were so beautiful that his dog was these new daughters were so beautiful and probably also fearing of God, as maybe his sons were the same, that Job actually blessed them. So I guess the question really is, did everything Job had before was it really worth it? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. And I think that's a question for another day. But today's question for you is this, and this is really what I have today and for me to think about, and maybe some homework for you as well, is thinking about God. And thinking about the Lord and thinking about why would he allow these things to happen. And I think a lot of people ask that question. We talked about it earlier. Why would God allow these things to happen? Now, for many of you who know me, and I've had my Job moments before. And this last week, this last two weeks where, again, another Job moment came. 
And I've had my Job moments, and, and I pray by the grace of God that I never, I've never cursed God. But I've done the Job thing. I've blamed myself. I've moaned and groaned that it's my own fault this is happening to me. That I'm a horrible person. That I must have been a horrible person in the past life. And I've done all that. So for those of you who don't really know much about my history, so you know, growing up as a kid, I've talked about it before. You know, I, I came from a broken home. And, and uh, life wasn't easy growing up as a kid. There was times as I was a kid that I actually had wished that I, what well, actually had just would just hope that I would just die. I I, not to say I contemplated suicide. That really was never true. I never really contemplated it. But I really had just wished that I wasn't around. I wish I was dead. And then then in my then after that I um, after high school like I think I had mentioned to some of you after high school I kind of got out of the trap. My parents divorced. I was about thirteen fourteen. My mother raised four boys. Uh, she was a single mom raising four boys. We didn't live in the best neighborhood in the world, but it was, but it was, uh, at that time it was a great neighborhood and a lot of friends. Thank the Lord. He gave me a lot of good friends. Some of you listen to this, to this podcast. Hello. <laughs> hey, Daria, how are you? <laughs> so, uh, but God gave us some, you know, God gave me good friends and kept me going back then. Then after that, after high school, I kind of got away from it all. Uh, basically left the church. I wasn't doing any more with any of this stuff anymore. I hated it and joined the military um, and then through the grace of God, uh, four years in the military, met my wife my first year in, uh, got out, got married, well, got married, then got out, had my daughter, and by the grace of God, the urging to go back to church came back. And I, I went back to different churches, a, a Presbyterian church where my wife was part of at that time, and we went there for a, for a period of time, became members and did the thing there. I kind of found disillusion with the churches. Uh, with the way they were doing things, and I kind of saw the writing on the wall of how they were starting to allow certain things to happen within the churches. Um, and then I ended up uh, leaving there and kind of left for a while again, the church for a while, for years. Uh, then um, during all this time going on, I was in, um, I should say after a year after the Navy, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, uh, which I have no idea how that even happened because nobody in my family has Crohn's that I know of. And I was diagnosed with that and suffered with that for 20 years. And while that was happening, there was many times uh, that I would have such flare-ups that I would be laying on the ground, um, uh, laying in my own mess, if you want to say, from the pain and, and, and and the horribleness that was going on back then, just crying to God, asking him, what have I done wrong? What did I do to upset you? You know, that, that shaking your hand, that God moment where you're like, what have I done? What have I done to upset you? Like, 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 were you up there talking to the, were you up there talking to, you know, talking to, talking to people and saying, Hey, consider my servant, Matt down there. You know, he's a pretty good guy. He does what he's supposed to do. You know, what, what is going on that this happened to me, Lord? And as you know, and that went on for twenty years. Ten years ago, I uh, about eleven, twelve years ago now, actually twelve years ago or so, I had an operation. Um, have I now have a I wear a bag? I have an ili- I had an ileostomy. I wear a bag now. Uh, so about twelve years now, I I wear a bag, and um, that's been fun <laughs> at times. Um, and another problem I have because of it is I get chronic kidney stones uh, all the time, and they're just debilitating. They really they knock me out. And again, it's another one of those things as I'm. They always come at like they always come in like nighttime, uh, two three in the morning. I wake up and I know it's coming, and I start to cry. And again, I start to ask God, "Why me? What have I done? What have I done? What have I done?" I then go, you know, and then recently, um, recently I've, uh, I recently last couple of weeks I I got as I mentioned I had caught COVID, and because of the Crohn's and my, the autoimmune disease, I I, even though I am vaccinated, and again I'm not being a post child for that. I'm just saying because I was vaccinated that it was probably a lot less than what it would have been. However, because of my autoimmune disease, it was actually um, it was actually pretty bad. So I wasn't I never doing hospital time. I was like my friend Chuck to thank God, and I, I pray for, again pray for Chuck. Uh, I didn't do any hospital time or anything like that, but um, I but I still had the uh, breathing issues and some other things going on. It's just something that I I would never ever ever want to ever face again. And I'm on the mend now. By the grace of God, I'm on the mend. But it was uh, it was horrible. It was horrible. It's just totally different thing that I've ever than I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, but of course, what happens at the same time? I at the same time since Sunday the second, I've been suffering and still am suffering from a kidney stone that is still working its way down. <laughs> so, it has been uh, a rough couple of weeks, and definitely I've been having my Joe moments again, where I've been saying to God, "Why is this happening to me?" I mean, 
trying to do the right thing. I'm trying, you know, why are you allowing these good, you know, these bad things to happen to me? Like, what have I done to you that this is happening? And this is things that I've actually said. I've never, you know, I've always said, and, you know, I've always, I, when I've done that, I've said, Lord, forgive me for I can't hide my thoughts from you. As Job said to God, I can't hide my thoughts from you. You know everything I'm thinking. Um, you know, so I'm going to ask you right out, you know, in a loud voice, why, why, please help me, have mercy upon me. Why is this happening? But Lord, your will is your will, and whatever it is, Lord, then God, then I pray your will that it will be that way. I mean, obviously, my suffering is nothing compared to many others who suffer. I can tell you that right now. A lot of people suffer a lot worse than I have in their lives. A lot of Christians, as you know, uh, the first century Christians were eaten, were, were fed to the lions and for sport as they were killed. Their children, families, wives, as they watched them eaten alive uh, before they were cast into the lion's den to die for sport. While people cheered on. Uh, there were, you know, Christians were, you know, during the 15th century and, you know, uh, 1500s, you know, uh, many, many men, uh, uh, the Catholic Church went after many men, uh, many men in Cramner and, you know, these men and they, they um, you know, they disagree with the Catholic Church about things. I'm not going to get into all that, but I'm just saying they disagree back then and many, many were beheaded and killed or burnt at the stake on both sides of the fence, you know, on both sides of the fence, you know, that happened to them. You know, uh, there was just so much going on, and we, you know, and, you know, you ask yourself why. I mean, I mean, I mean, you even take a look at the Lord Jesus Himself, and take a look at the disciples. I use, I'll use that sometimes as an, as an example. These disciples all suffered horrible deaths, except for John, who basically was who was on the island of Patmos. He was exiled there, which wasn't great, by the way. Uh, wasn't a great way to go, but he was exiled there. And but the rest of the disciples were all, in some way, shape, or form, horribly. Um, killed. Some were flayed alive. Some were burnt alive. Some were beheaded. Excuse me. Some were crucified. Upside, uh, Peter was upside down. Crucified upside down. So there was a lot of going on there. And also, the Lord Jesus himself suffered tremendously. He suffered tremendously himself. I mean, I always say, if God didn't spare him, then why would he spare anything else? So the question goes back to why. You know, why is it that we have these things happen to us? Why do these things happen to us? And I'm going to say it for the same sake what the Lord Jesus says, and the Lord Jesus had even said that he said that these things happen to us because, because, to show the glory of God and to show his strength and to show God's strength. For God is a source of strength. In the Bible, there are 27 um, references, well, you know, through uh, um, chapters and, and verses of the Bible, throughout the Bible, that show of God being a source of strength for many people. And God is a strength. God is a, is, is a source of strength. And he is. And I think what's going to happen for the next podcast, I think what's going to, for the, for the homework for this one, is we're going to, I want you to ponder and think about why do these things happen to us? I want you to read the first chapter, first two chapters of Job, um, maybe really more if you want to, maybe, and then, you know, read the end of chapter 42 of Job. And I want you to think about why are these things happening to us? Why? You know, what, what have we done? You know, I, I follow the rules. I do what you say. And I'm also going to kind of, I'm going to leave you with this. <clears throat> so there are many of you out there that have heard me talk about a good friend of mine, Pastor uh, Frank Friedman. He's out of Louisiana. Uh, Frank is a great guy, great pastor, and knows this guy knows his stuff. He's a he's also counsels young men, young men and women. He's a, he's a counselor. He's, he's just great. I've been to his conferences before. He he's been there's been conferences in Pennsylvania that he's gone to that I've gone to with my dad and my brothers, and Frank is just wonderful. And I remember one time during a conference, Frank was talking about, um, about about suffering. And about God being our strength. Now, Frank, just a little bit of background. Frank has a daughter. I think she's in her twenties now. But back then, when I when I used to go to the conference, that was you know fifteen, you know, long time ago, and she was very young. I don't know the exact. Uh, actually, his website has it, but I don't know the exact cause of what his daughter had. But she was born with a birth defect. I hate using the word defect, but she was born with 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 this. Um, and she, and this his poor daughter, who's such a sweetheart, but she had to go through so many corrections to correct so many surgeries to correct things to correct her wrists her legs 
suffering that this girl went through. And I can remember, I can remember Frank every year uh, when she was very young, when she was going through the most of it, that Frank would send us emails and let us know the updates on his daughter because we were all concerned. And would tell us about her and would tell us what she had gone through. And would tell us all the stuff that she had to death she dealt with. And, and he would tell us how it, it hurt him so much. How he was so hurt by this. That, uh, watching his daughter suffer. Frank would say to us though that it was interesting that there were times where his daughter would say to him, not to worry daddy for God has me in his hands. That, that's very interesting. I want to kind of put that out there real quick. But I just want to emphasize the fact that Frank knows suffering. He knows what it's like to see a child suffer. So there was uh one of, during one of the conferences we talked about suffering and we talked about again we talked about strength. And during the thing Frank you know Frank had said he he put a question to us and he said let me ask us he said he said I hear a lot of people out there say that God will only give you just as much as you can handle. He said there's things out there you know the Bible says it. He says there are times you know, God will open a window and let you out or God will do things and he'll and he and he will get you out of it and God will only allow you to suffer so much. Um, before you, you know, before you, you know, before you break down from that suffering. And then Frank kind of looked at us all and he said, "Bull pucky." I'm using, I'm ad libbing, but he didn't say anything bad. I'm just ad libbing bull pucky. But Frank basically said to us, "That's just not true. That's a bunch of malarkey, a bunch of dung." Frank always always say the only curse in the Bible you can say is dung, <laughs> horse dung, because the Bible says dung. Or, you know, feces. So those who don't know what dung is. Cow manure, feces, that's dung. And Frank says it's a bunch of dung, he says. He said, he looked at us and he said, have you ever spoken with a parent who lost a child, regardless of what age they are? A 20-year-old parent loses a child or a 90-year-old parent loses a child who they love so much, Frank said. Have you ever dealt with that? Have you ever seen the suffering and the loss that's in their, that's in their hearts? When they lose a child. And it dawned on me what he said was like, wow, he's wow, he's right. Because I fell into that same garbage that yes, yes, God only allows us to go through so much and we're not gonna have to worry about it anymore. God's not gonna let us suffer that much. But then it dawned on me that he's right. Because my children were very young at the time and they're older now, but I would same thing. That it would be devastating if something happened to my children. I mean, I pray for them every night that God protect them, keep them safe. Please, Lord, put your hedge of protection around them all the time so that they're safe. I do it every night, as I'm sure many of you do. But man, I'll tell you, that hit me. That Frank was right. Pastor Frank was right. Somebody loses a child. A wife loses a husband. A husband loses a wife. That's devastating. There's no coming back from that. There's no open door from that. Yes, time will heal. But here's the point, and we're going to talk about this in the next second part of this podcast next week, is that Jesus Christ, he is our strength. That God is sufficient enough for our strength. That's just such an amazing thing when you think about it. That God, that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is sufficient enough for us. That he gives us strength. That when we are at our weakest is when God's at his strongest. You imagine that what Job went through. Job lost everything he had. And yet Job still stuck to stuck to God. Still believed upon him. And he was blessed because of it. And he was blessed because of it. So here, so I want to quickly, before we continue, before we end and we pray... I want to quickly um, talk, I want to read a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, starting at the, I'm uh, sorry, chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 12, starting at the 8th verse, going into the 10th verse. And this is Paul talking, and Paul talks about this thorn in the side. And I've often referred to my problems as a thorn in the side. Um, and this is what Paul says. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So whatever, we don't know what this is. Paul talks about it a little bit earlier now that there was this, uh, he says basically that, um, and Paul talks, going back to like uh, uh, verse 7 of, of 2 Corinthians, and Paul basically, you know, so, um, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of, of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, 
lest I should exalt be exalted above measure. So basically, Paul is basically trying to say that unless I become all tidy toity and think that because all this has been revealed to me from God that I'm better than everybody else, God sent this thorn in the side or a messenger of Satan to befuddle me, to bother me, to not leave me, just to just to always constantly leave, not leave me alone. And then Paul, and then Paul says that was verse seven, by the way. And Paul, like I said, in verse eight again. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So Paul begging him. We don't know what it is. He's never told us about what this is. You can conjecture what it is, but we don't know what it is. But Paul basically says to us that he asked God three times to please God take it from me. And he said unto me, and it's the Lord Jesus now saying to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I, will, I, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So here's Paul asking God so many times to take this away, whatever it was he dealt with, same as I've done. God, help me. Why? What have I done? Please take this from me. Why do I got to suffer from this every single time? I, you know, why? And the same thing that Paul says, that God says to Paul, the Lord Jesus has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Matt, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong through Christ. So next time we get together, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the strength and being strong through Christ. We're going to continue this series. Um, you know, we're going to continue this series talking about the strength of God and, and, and what we get through Christ and that we are we are sufficient in His glory, in the grace of Christ. We are sufficient in His glory. Some of you have heard me in the past. Um, I've, I have said this in the past to you. Uh, now, if I can find it, which I don't want to do with it now, of course, right? This is always how things go for me here because I end up doing with something and I lose it <laughs> my luck um, you know but um, ah, what did I do with it here I don't know, maybe I put it over here in this book I'm hoping I did ah here we go so many of you have heard me say this before and I'm going to say it again and I've said this before on one of my earlier podcasts and I want you I want you I want to leave you with this and I want you to ponder upon this this week until we meet again and we're going to meet again in two weeks and we're going to talk about Christ being our strength when we are weak and I've said this before, Christ isn't asking you to figure it out. He is simply asking you that to trust that he already has. His, his grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, he is strong. So when we go through those moments, these Job moments, when we go through these tough times, it is not we ourselves that get us through it. It is our faith in Christ that gets us through it. It is our faith in God. It is our faith and love in Christ, our acceptance of him as our whole as, as our Savior, that gets us through it. It really is. We don't do it on our own. We can't. And when people ask the question, why do you suffer then, Matt? You do these things you do. I say suffering doesn't suffering isn't something that everybody is, you know, it, it gets away from. You're gonna suffer. Christ suffered horribly. Disciples suffered. Paul suffered. Paul was beheaded in the end. He was imprisoned, beat stoned, but yet Paul persevered. And what's the reason we do this? Read Second Timothy, what Paul says. We run the race so that we may receive our crown of righteousness and sit with the Lord God in heaven. And that's the reward that we get. So we're going to end here on this one. I hope that, I hope I said something today that helps trigger something for you. Uh, um, I hope that it helps you to understand that we must, um, you know, trust in God. Trust in him. He will always get you through. For he is your strength. For we have none. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you today, Lord, for all that we have. Thank you, Lord, today that we're able to be here to be able to talk about you and be able to get through this time together. Help those, Lord, who are suffering right now with, with the loss of a loved one, a child, a mom, a parent, a, a spouse. Please, Lord, we pray, Lord, help them, Lord, please. Please, Lord, we pray, Lord, give them strength, Lord, your strength, Lord, that no one can ever understand I pray, Lord, today. Bless us, Lord. Keep us in your power and your love and your grace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
All right, everybody, I'm kind of going way over time here. This thing only gives me an hour to tape, so um, I think that's all you have to deal with me. i got like 10 seconds left, but I'm going to say to you all, God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Um, continue to trust in God, for he has things figured out, and he will not let you suffer um, without, giving him, without giving you his strength. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.